You're listening to I Hate the Fins. This is episode 20, Milestone Show. Thanks for being a part of it. My name's Keith. Got my usual co-host, Zach. Uh, we're recording on Friday this week instead of our usual, we typically do Wednesday or Thursday. Today, it's Friday, and it's appropriate, I guess, because it's the end of an era. <clears throat> Zach, Zach got drunk at lunch. He was so upset about it. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill, no longer a Miami Dolphin, traded to the Tennessee Titans. I was surprised at the return they got. Was it a fourth-round pick in 2020? It's like a seventh this year, and then we got to give them, what, a sixth or something? Yeah, a sixth Tannehill and essentially $5 million. That's what it kind of works out to be. Yeah, so uh, I'm happy to see him go to a team like that just because playing behind Marcus Mariota, he's probably going to get some playing time. Um, uh-huh. that's, that's been the trend there. Uh, I am relieved that we no longer... I I have the assumption right now that we no longer need to talk about Ryan Tannehill, but we all know that people are still going to bring him up. There are people who are never going to be able to get over his presence in uh, Miami. Saw this week, Olivier Vernon was running his mouth. I don't really know what that that was all about. Matt, yeah, Hazel that was, that was got really him. random. I don't like what is he just got traded. He's got bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah. I don't understand what he's doing. And to be honest with you, talking about getting a pass. Like the money that he got from the Giants and what he's done, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah, Nobody's- well, I mean, that's that's I won't say that's necessarily Ov's fault. Like Ov is what Ov was in Miami. You know, he he's just a really good number two guy. But like, can we blame him for the Giants paying him number one money? You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's not really his fault. Oh man, it's Uber number one money. What he's getting, I mean, which I mean, I, I am of the agreement that make all the dollars you can while you can while you're in that business just do it uh but like remember when it was the whole thing where they weren't sure if the the dolphins were going to resign him or whatever and then you saw these reports out there where um people are like oh yeah he's really good against the run it's like what are you talking about have you watched any of these games so but you're right ov is what ov is and i mean i like him as a player but the thing is, I mean, he hasn't even come close to living up to that contract. And maybe that he was set up to fail with that anyway. There are sometimes guys sign deals and there's no way they're ever going to live up to the expectation attached to that kind of cash. Yeah. So it is what it is. But anyway, so he was run, He was uh, chiming in. Matt Hazel, I think, got in on it. So I thought it was really weird. I Did you see the Kenyon Drake thing he put out today? Uh, his like Insta post about like, you know, I really appreciated all your, your time and you know how you pushed me to be better. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. I mean, like, and, and it's one of those things where if you even think about the workplace that you work in, when people move on, there's going to be people that like that person and are, you know, bummed that they're leaving. And there's people that are not going to like that person that are going to be like, good, they're finally gone. Um, that's kind of human nature. Um, so I, I didn't really think too much of it just because that's unfortunately how people are. Um, you know, you don't like somebody and you have mean things to say. Um, I just think keep it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> people on Twitter are really bad with keeping it to themselves, though. So, you know, whatever. It's fine. It provides fodder for some people. Look at us right now. We're talking about it. So I'm... I'm happy though. I feel like he's going to a place where 
you know, if you're, you are playing behind Mar- Marcus Mariota, you're probably going to get playing time. He's has he. I don't think he's ever played 16 games, has he? No, I don't think so, unfortunately. And I, I really liked Marcus Mariota. Um, in that draft, I had him over Winston because um, I just like that skill set a little bit more in QBs. But if he can't stay healthy, you know, you can't make the club in the tub. He, um, I think, I think he's much a much better quarterback than Winston. Actually, I mean, the health thing is the only thing holding him back, in my opinion. I think he's a good player. Uh, James, James Winston. Some of the holes that were in his game at Florida State have been exacerbated. Uh, during his time in Tampa, as is usually the case. But, I mean, people never really wanted to talk about the fact that he's terrible at throwing the deep ball. Like, awful. You remember, like, what we went through with Ryan Tannehill and people killing him for that because he underthrew Mike Wallace a little bit. You know? And, I mean, you watch Jameis Winston throw the ball downfield. It's not pretty. It's It's quite the elongated motion. And he in no way, in my opinion, has lived up to the billing of being a number one pick. All the baggage that he had coming in, uh, the baggage that he's accumulated since then, you know, the Uber thing comes to mind. So we don't even need to get into that. But I like Marcus Mariota. I hope he is able to stay healthy because I, I like you, I love his skill set. Um, and it's just fun to see an Oregon guy because, I mean, Oregon has oftentimes teased with a lot of their quarterback prospects. And he's a guy where he came in and really looked like he was going to make the jump to being like a superstar, in my opinion. So, I mean, hopefully that happens. We'll see. Still plenty of time. Yeah, I mean, the one Oregon quarterback that nobody gave a chance, which is really sad, was my boy Dennis Dixon. Um, he was the man. I, I loved yeah. him. And, and he got that year. I wish he would have stayed healthy and won the Heisman over Tebow. That would have been awesome. Well, I mean, if he stays healthy, that's a tight race because he Oregon was humming. Up until he got, because he got hurt in November. That yeah, year, I think. yeah, his numbers so. were stupid at that point. Yeah, then Jonathan Stewart was in that backfield, I think. Yep. So, yeah, those are those are uh, the fun days of college football, two thousand seven. So, which by the way, we were just talking about that season the other day at work, and just one of the worst championship game matchups imaginable with Ohio State and LSU. I think. Ellis, yeah. you had two losses that year. Um, the reason we got we got to talking about that is Pat White came up because we were talking about his four and zero in bowl games. And West Virginia had a bead on getting in the national championship that year. Then they lost to Pitt at the end of the season. So, and I think they ended up going to the Fiesta Bowl, and I think they absolutely rolled Oklahoma. I'm just going off the top of my head, but I think that's what happened that year. So Oklahoma yeah. just getting rolled in the Fiesta Bowl by everyone around that time. Like a year prior, they got the the whole Boise State <laughs> Boise game. Bowl. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Oklahoma Fiesta Bowl. Anyway. So Ryan Tannehill, I saw a lot of people celebrating. I don't really understand what that guy did to to draw that that level of ire, but whatever. I'd like to think that you know he's in the rearview mirror now. This is a new regime in here. It's Chris Greer's show clearly by the way that he's accumulating 2020 draft picks right now because he's in pursuit of all of them, it seems. So it's his show. Brian Flores got this whole new mentality. They seem okay with losing games next year, which I mean is, is disappointing looking forward to next season as a fan. But in terms of where this team needs to go, has always wanted to go, but has never reached in the past 25 years. I mean, it's what it's been 20 26 years since they were in the AFC championship game 
when they lost to Buffalo, like 30 to 10 or whatever. So, because yep. it was January 93. So it's been a long time. And I mean, they had some promising seasons since then, but n- nothing uh, constant, no real consistency in terms of the roster, in terms of the guys they're bringing in outside of like when they had a really good defense, their offense was slagging or their, you know, Marino's last few years, even when, even when it was a run heavy offense or, um, the last few Shula years when it was a real, still a really good offense and some good players on defense, but a lot of suspect parts. So this team just has never been able to get it, get all the parts there at the same time. And you're hoping, you know, if you bottom out next year, you're probably putting, or this year, next season, I meant, um, you're putting your, yourself in a position where, okay, maybe we can do things the right way for once instead of drafting 12th or 13th every year, like we are this year talking about drafting the top four, top three, which is if you need a quarterback where you want to be. Now, maybe they shock everyone and just take a quarterback this year. I don't know. I, I have honestly, I have no idea what these, what these guys are going to do at number 13 overall. They could, you know, I think they want to build the trenches. People keep talking about how Chris Greer is a Parcells guy. If you're a Parcells guy, you, you believe the trenches and the talent in there is paramount. So, and this is the, a great draft for that. You just think about all the defensive tackles we've discussed over the past few weeks. Um, some of the edge rushers. Brian Burns is a big favorite of yours. We were talking the other day about how he's become a popular mock pick for the Dolphins. And, I mean, that would be great because, I mean, he's got the kind of skill set that I think Brian Flores wants and can get maximum production out of. So, I don't know. Um it's interesting though you look at these top 10 mocks and everything and these picks and everything and sometimes like i've seen one or i've seen a couple that have like three quarterbacks in that top 10 i've seen one where they have one and it's kyler murray going number one so we're gonna do a when are we doing our mock next week i'd like to do it next week um we're gonna try to work on something fun and different for that mock um just some tweaks to work out there first All right, so let's go back earlier in the week. Juwan James, and we talked about how we thought it was, what, about 50-50 he was going to stay? Yeah. Somewhere around there. We weren't sure because the number floated out there in terms of what his camp was looking for was about 12. And I want to say at that point, the highest paid right tackle in the league was making 11-ish, somewhere around there. Was it Lane Johnson, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Lane Johnson definitely had that... uh the top of the market set at that point. Okay. Well, he's, he's gone. Jawan James is gone. He goes to Denver. He gets, was it his contract? Is it 13? I think I'm just, I mean, it's late. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to see what his contract was again, to be a hundred percent right on the numbers here. Um, but I mean, he, he got above that number that we were initially talking about. Um, Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he clips it and then. Yeah, I think he's almost at thirteen. I think he's at twelve five or twelve seven five, um, a year with Denver because it was a four year fifty fifty one ish kind of contract. Okay, big payday. Yeah, yeah. So and and I mean, he, I think I think he. It's tough to say a hundred percent that it's earned. I think an unbelievable amount of people got overpaid in this free agency period. Um, But I mean, I think he's a well put together right tackle that when he's healthy, um, 
there's an argument that he's probably pretty safely top eight and then potentially top five as a right tackle. Um, so at the end of the day, especially if the Broncos are going to move forward and potentially draft a quarterback, um, and even if they don't, if you're rolling with Joe Flacco, that man needs some long-term protection, um, especially if he's throwing those deep balls because he is not an athlete whatsoever. No. Um, Juwan James, I'd say the, the two things you worry about him, health and penalties. But, I mean, when, when he is healthy, he's excellent. So I, I totally agree. I would, I, would give him, I would give him the top five probably when, he, when he's on. And I mean, he's he had his ups and downs with Dolphins, but a lot of that due to the fact that I mean, he struggled to stay healthy. So I've talked about this before. I've argued with many people on Twitter when it comes to this, and it's maybe weird hearing this coming from me, just because I love the offensive line. I'm just a bigger fan of drafting it than uh, blowing up uh, your cap spending money on offensive line with second and third contracts. And I left tackle is the exception I'll make. And sometimes a guard spot because guard has become such a, it has gone from being a position that you used to draft late and everything. And it was an afterthought to, I mean, if you want a really good guard, sometimes you got to use a first round pick for it. So um, those guys are in demand too, because I mean, you're talking about these zone blocking schemes and everything. You need these guards who can get out and run you know, get to the second level and, and take out linebackers and whatnot. So um, I'm not a big fan for the most part when it comes to spending money on it in free agency. And a lot of people were arguing or upset about the fact that the Dolphins didn't retain their guy that they drafted. But I think like, dude, 13 is rich, especially when you're coming up on a draft where you can, I mean, maybe you, you think you get something comparable with some of the guys in this draft. That's the hope. And granted, this team has not had an incredible track record when when it comes to selecting offensive linemen. This regime in there now, you, you're hoping that, or certainly giving it the benefit of the doubt when it comes to taking that position. And I'm seeing Jawan Taylor going like top ten now. Have you seen? Yeah, that? I mean, I think I think that's kind of been boiling up over the past couple of weeks um, because I think mm-hmm. people. When you go back and watch his tape, like he's a really good pass protector, um, which it's becoming more common now, um, especially at the next level in the NFL, because you have you have pass rushers on both sides now. It's not just like you have one really good right pass rusher. You know, it's not the the error of having a Jason Taylor on one side. There's teams that have a, a Jason Taylor kind of dude on both sides now. Um, so it's become more mm-hmm. common. And it's being pushed more at the college level. It it's just really confusing because of um, again he played right tackle and Ivy played left tackle, but he played right tackle at such an astronomically better level than Ivy played left tackle. And people see his length, they see the athleticism on the right side, and they automatically have that idea of like, okay, can we mirror this and flip him to left tackle? And the second that if there's a team or two teams that buy into, he could be a left tackle and they're picking top 10, you know, people have so many questions on Jonah Williams as a left tackle that if he's your instant left tackle at, based on his skill set, like people are going to take him top 10. Um, and I mean, they'll look at him as worst case scenario. We'll keep him on the right, get a left tackle later. And we have a really good right tackle. 
Um, so I don't, I don't think it's far fetched that he could potentially go top ten. Um, it just, again, you just need one team to fall in love with a guy, right? Uh, projections notwithstanding, and I mean, this might be a bit of a hot take, but I think if you're drafting Juwan Taylor, it's reasonable to have the expectation that he might be the best right tackle in the league sooner than later. Like he's that talented. I mean, he's got great feet. He's got stupid length. I mean, and the thing is, I mean, like, and he's mean, which is, I mean, something that you don't always get from Florida. I think the most surprising thing for me is that he's a Florida offensive lineman. Although the one position that Florida, if you're looking at what they've been able to produce in the past, we'll say 20 years, right tackle is up there. Like they've managed to put out some pretty good right tackles. And then, I mean, if you're counting the pounces, then you can talk about, you know, guard and center too. But, um, I, I think Jawan Taylor is worth that top 10 pick. I think he's that good. I agree with every, everything you said, especially with the whole, and Martez Ivy was a really good offensive lineman at Florida too. But, but you could tell with Jawan Taylor early on that like he was going to be something. I mean, like Jonah Williams, we'll see what happens there, but he's got the arm length where I don't think that holds him back. I think it turns into a, a, a question that comes up with a lot of um, Alabama offensive linemen. It's the feet, right? I yeah. mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to that because the length is fine. I mean, I think he's like, what, a little under 34. But I'm bringing all this up to suggest that you might have pinpointed the Dolphins' first-round pick, you know, last fall when you talked about Dalton Risner. Oh, I wish. I, I, I have the feeling that Dalton Risner isn't going to go till the second round. Um, I don't know. I just I don't think teams are going to love him. I think I think probably his upside in the first round realistically based on how teams tend to draft and what they tend to look for and how they get sexed up by certain guys. Um, he feels more of maybe a, an end of the first round pick where people that haven't really put eyes on tape, um, you know, feel a little shocked that he went there. Um, almost like when uh, the Dolphins took Juwan James. But I mean, like he was the second round just, pick in that draft for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so same thing with with um, Dalton Risner there. But like going back and watching Dalton Risner's film, he's he's a good pass protector. He's going to hold down his spot. He's going to get the job done. He's not going to knock your socks off or anything. Um, he's really good in the run game. And he's one of those guys that's a hard finisher. Like he reminds you of one of those Taylor Decker um Big Ten guys that like at the end of the whistle, you see him throwing dudes through the ground. Um, and so at the end of the day, like Taylor you do Lewan. those two things. Yeah, well, T- Taylor Lewan, Taylor Decker, any of those dudes out of the Big Ten. Like, any dude named Taylor uh, in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like he has <laughs> that kind of spirit playing as an offensive lineman, which which teams tend to like. But, you know, and at the end of the day, like, Dude played from start to finish when he walked onto campus till the the second he was a senior and walked off. He played, you know, right tackle. Uh, I think he played right guard, center, and he played a, a, a stint at left tackle as well. And he did really well at all of them. Like, I just don't know what you want more. Um, again, I think teams get really sexed up by guys with high ceilings. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, if you can take a guy that's just going to be a really good player for a decade for you, 
take a good player. Like, you know, you got to shoot for home runs. Otherwise, you'll just be an 8-8 and team forever. I get that. That's fine. But, like, especially in the point where the Dolphins are at, get a good, reliable player that you can play him at right tackle this year since James is gone. If you're not feeling it at right tackle for him, play him at guard. Play him at center. Like, play him wherever you want. Um, You know, at the end of the day, I don't know if he will be a guy they consider at 13, um, but he is a guy that, especially if you get a, a Taylor going off the board already, maybe even a Jonah Williams off the board at that point, he's a guy that I would not hesitate to even take at that point. He He's just a good all-around player. I won't bother to speculate where he should go, but I think... Uh, it's important to to note that he's like a supercharged version of Cody Whitehair. Like he's bigger, he's much longer than Cody Whitehair, and he's, in my opinion, even more versatile than Cody Whitehair, which is saying a lot because Cody Whitehair played left tackle at K State and is playing center right now when he was supposed to be a guard for Chicago. I mean, mm-hmm. D- Dalton. I mean, I'm not a big fan of moving offensive linemen to different spots. I think it's far more strenuous than people realize then i i don't want to i don't mean this in a disparaging fashion but like the common fan doesn't realize how difficult it is to take an offensive lineman and move him around uh, i mean even, even taking a guy from from one tackle to another or one guard from another like just just think about anything that you do that has any sort of muscle memory to it in life and then try to do it in the exact reverse way like totally mirror that like if you if you go and lift your garage door every day when you leave using your right hand for a week, just just put the effort on yourself to always lift it with your left hand. And just think about how much thought process that takes to get your body to do that over and over and over again when you've done it with the right hand and you feel comfortable doing it with the right hand. You know, it's it's a simple way to put it, but I think it makes you really think about like, oh, like now imagine having to do this against giant fast human beings. Yeah. And, you know, he's Dalton Risner. First of all, Dalton's an even cooler name than Taylor. Uh, second of all, he um, is the rare, like, fill-in-the-gaps player. I mean, like, he, we talked about his length. I mean, his arms are over 34 inches. So, I mean, like, he can play left tackle. His feet look, to me, they looked really good on tape when I watched him play. You mentioned uh, a finisher and someone who does a lot of things well. So, I mean, even if you could trade back and get someone like that. But, I mean, that's that's a guy where you draft him and you're like, this is my dude for the next decade. We've just added a player where we don't have to worry about the spot where he is. And I say that because you assume it's going to be guard. I know they're talking about maybe bringing back Kilgore. Um, you know, but even if you're like, you know, push him to right tackle or, you know, we we're getting killed here. Uh, so, or we've lost a guy to injury who's going to be the guy, it might be Dalton Risner. And I'm not a huge fan of doing that, but he can do it, is what I'm saying. So, I mean, at 13, it's crazy because in terms of value, we'll see where where the defensive tackles are. I know Dexter Lawrence has, I think he improved his draft stock, in my opinion, when he went to the combine. Unless his, I didn't hear about his interviews being bad. And he definitely had something to answer for, because when you miss your, your school's two biggest games of the season because of, you know, uh, what a legal substance testing yeah, positive for something just, just that's dumb. So, you know, what happened there? I mean, you're talking about like these are the these are you 
practice, you trained all off season to get ready to put yourself in a position where you could play those two games and you're not a part of it. And then if Clemson didn't have the defensive line interior depth that it, it does, they could have been totally screwed by that. They're lucky that, I mean, they have guys in there, um, Wilkins and, and whatnot, who can handle that kind of thing. Otherwise, that would have been, I mean, they lost their biggest guy. My boy, Albert Huggins, coming up clutch. Yeah, I mean, you called I that, too. Him. I loved you said, him. You said it was an opportunity, and it was. I mean, they... He, he, he's going to be one of your Godshaw, Vincent Taylor kind of guys that, like, two years down the line, people are going to be like, why didn't we take him in the second or third round? Mm. And then uh, the other guy, guys I want to talk about are the corners. Because, I mean, the, the corners in this draft, I know you're not a greedy fan. I don't think he's going to be there. I think that... um. I think the numbers and sort of like the, the flash parts of his uh, his stock will probably get him off the board before 13. But I, I know you're OK with that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like for for corners, as I think, I think depending on how the Dolphins board stacks up for them, I think if they get to 13 and one of those corners is their clear cut BPA. I honestly think that's the only way they end up going corner at 13. Um, I just don't think, you know, especially with Flores, that Pat's defense has never really had, like, a star corner until Gilmore. And, like, he wasn't even technically theirs. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. I think think Flores coming in has X, who is probably the best corner that he has and it's a homegrown guy um that I think they'll stick with. I don't think they're going to move him unless something crazy happens. Um I hope not. Yeah, but I mean <laughs> like so so at the end of the day like I think they're already set up better at corner than Flores has ever had in front of him. Um and you got to remember that was Flores's room at one point too like as the DB coach like those were his guys. So mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I think, I think again, I don't think they'll end up going corner at thirteen unless one of those guys is, you know, top four on their board, and at that point they're going BPA, a, a Minka kind of thing. Um, but I think the bigger thing, the conversation that needs to start happening with corner, um, in regards to X, is like, what is his contract going to be? Because like, while Washington is one of the dumbest football teams, run by one of the dumbest group of individuals I've ever seen Landon Collins just got 14 million dollars a year as a box safety like that's insane yeah I the thing is is everyone is immediately aware of how bad that contract is um and then I mean the market it doesn't matter how stupid or bad it was like that's what's out there now well I mean the smart teams found a way to kind of navigate that a little bit like look at the Chicago Bears because, I mean, they lose Adrian Amos to division rival. I, I don't remember the exact amount he got, but I think he got paid decently by Green Bay. I, that figure's not coming to me right now. But you look at Chicago, and they're like, well, we have Eddie Jackson as our free safety. And they go and they get ha-ha Clinton Dix. And what is it, three and a half for one year? It's like a prove-it deal. So Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, let's see what Yeah, I, I agree, too, um, in terms of destroying the market. Hopefully the, well, I mean, that will be, Chris Greer's had, in my opinion, a strong offseason thus far. 
if if it comes down to negotiating with Xavier Howard and how that plays out, I mean, that's going to be a big indicator in terms of how things are going. Yeah, and, and I and, mean, and, like, you know, I have no problem paying X to be honest. Like, if if at the end of the day he gets uh, what was Landon Collins six years, eighty five million or something like that. $70 billion. Yeah, like if that is what the quarter market turns out to be, because I mean, even Jalen Ramsey is going to get a crazy contract there. Maybe not in Jacksonville, but somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. But like at that point, if you're going to pay X, you know, five years, you know, 82, and you're looking at, you know, 16 a year, if X plays like he does, you know, or at least half of what he did this year every year, that's considered a number one corner. Um, and as the cap goes up and all that stuff, that's, that's going to look like a good figure come, you know, four or five years down the line. So I'm not opposed to paying X that kind of money if he's going to play how he played this year. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind there for a lot of people or anyone who's listening, really, uh, you just put in your, you know, after today, you've put yourself in a position where you're going to be paying your next franchise quarterback rookie money. Yep. Which which frees you up to do these kind of things. I mean, so you can pay Xavier Howard stupid money. That's how the Chicago Bears paid Khalil Mack pretty much $11 billion to to come there. Um, what was it, 90 guaranteed, I think? An unbelievable um, amount guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, when you have quarter your quarterback on on rookie rookie money, then I mean that opens it up where you can do you can pay other players, you, you know considerable amounts and Xavier Howard certainly fits that bill so just looking at their roster now in terms of guys they can pay I was surprised to see people complaining about the fact that they pay Kenny Stills 80 a year so and the funny thing is a lot of people thought he was going to break the bank and he took a hometown discount yeah yeah I mean so, consi- considering what Albert Wilson got too that's kind of the the standard money that they're paying receivers at this point for at least in Miami for those kind of guys right exactly I hope they hang on to Kenny Stills. I know I saw his name floated a bunch this week, and I was like, I mean, I get it. I hope that doesn't happen, though. Yeah, but I mean, like, what are you, what are you gonna really get for Kenny Stills? Like, I don't think the league opinion of him is high enough to make it worth the move of him. Because, like, at the end of the day, his money's not bad. He's a good leader on the team. He has the respect of a lot of people in the locker room. Um, you know, so what are you going to get for him to make it worth it, him to be moved? You know? Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, the appeal that he has for me is, I mean, he can play out on the perimeter. Uh, you can put him in the slot. I mean, he has a really nice, I'd, I'd say he's got a n- nice, um, broad skill set. He's not just a speed guy. And I think that some people who casually just watch uh, the Dolphins, where they just are just kind of chiming in on what's going on with the team, and they're not even fans of the Dolphins. Look at him, and they're just like, "Oh, he's just a deep threat." Like when uh, we were talking about people comparing him to Deshaun Jackson, and that's apples to oranges, in my opinion. So, <clears throat> just my take on that one. I hope we hang on to him, but who knows? I mean, these are these are weird times for this team as they're flipping stuff around, getting rid of a lot of the big contracts and whatnot, and setting themselves up for what's going to be their product. I'm surprised Quinn is still around. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was how that whole Tannehill thing started, right? Yep. On Twitter. Cause people were like, why is he still here? Yeah. So, and, and there's still a lot of value with him. 
with Robert Quinn. I think that he's a good 4-3 defensive end. I mean, he's not the guy that came out of North Carolina in 2011, maybe. When he was, I think he was taking one pick before Pouncey. I think mm-hmm. he went 14th. Yeah. So, and I think he went right after Christian Ponder. So, or no, he went after Nick Fairley, and then Christian Ponder, yep. I think, went 12th. I don't know. Why do I remember that? But, um, yeah. So, you have to figure that there's some kind of value in there. I'm not sure why he's still on the roster. I don't know what's going on there, but I do like Robert Quinn. I'm certainly not offended by his presence here, but just with the way this team has been moving contracts and whatnot, I am surprised to see he's still around. So I don't know. I'm trying to think, is there anything I mean, we don't have to talk about Beckham jr. Going to Cleveland, do we? No, no. I mean, everybody else is talking about that. Everybody understands the, the gravity of it on both sides of the ball. Um, so I don't think we have to talk about that one. Um, I mean, like, not not to knock the Jets. Um, while I love to whenever I get the chance, but like, no, 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 knock knock the Jets. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's just tough because like, I I don't really hate the Jets or the Bills because the Pats have been the Pats during my my time frame of being the Dolphins fan. You know what I'm saying? So I don't really sure. hate them. So I I don't like to to hate on them too much. But like, who have the Jets really signed outside of paying two dudes? that are not as worth the money as they paid them to in Bell and uh, Mosley. Like, who else have they gotten? Osemele? Well, they didn't get they didn't get Anthony Barr. They did not get so Anthony that, Barr. Um, that whole situation, very bizarre how that went down, especially because they wanted to use him as a, like, on-the-ball pass rusher. And yeah. I think that turned him off. So I think Greg Williams... Master of Disguise, Greg Williams, sitting there just sharing his plan with what he wanted for Anthony Barr. And Anthony Barr's like, nah, I think I'm going to go back to Minnesota and do what I've been doing. Yeah. And like, I'm going to go break Aaron Rodgers' collarbone every year. Yeah. And, and again, to bring up my Jets buddy, he was hyped and he's like, yeah, but I mean, look at his sack production in college. I was like, dude, just because one thing happened in college doesn't mean that's going to happen at this level. Like, and even then they used him as like an off the ball kind of guy at UCLA. Like, yeah, they'd walk him up on the edge, but they'd also shift guys to his side and it'd be like a heavy over kind of look. Um, so at the end of the day, like he wasn't a pure 34 kind of set the edge pass rush kind of guy. He's like a successful Deion Jordan, right? Yeah, exactly. He's like, I mean, like obviously, uh, much more sand in the trunk in the base, which I mean um, helps him out in terms of like his ability to take on the run and whatnot. But I always thought that with Anthony Barr, because I think Anthony Barr was drafted the year after Deion Jordan. And when he went, I was like, Oh crap. Like that's what, that's what Deion Jordan should look like. So um, yeah, he's, he's going back to Minnesota. Uh, Is jets dude. Okay with that. Yeah. I mean, like, as a fan, you got to kind of be able to reverse course on things. Otherwise, you'll perpetually be heartbroken, obviously. Um, so so my buddy kind of flipped back on that one. But like, I still do not understand the crazy money that they paid CJ Mosley to be a two down run and chase linebacker. Like that's all he's ever been. There's people that'll claim that he can cover well, but like. 
that's that's in like zone squat kind of bullshit. Like he's just sinking down and you know hoping that if they check down to the running back, he'll just make that tackle there. Anything behind him, he ain't helping with. Yeah. Do you think Devin White gets to Cincinnati or do you think somebody grabs him before? No, I I think um I don't know if you've seen that report from um what's her name from ESPN. Um she's actually a pretty good reporter that I like. I cannot remember her name off the top of my head saying that she spoke to Giants people at the combine and they're like not as on Haskins as people thought, which the second that Gettleman going back to the OBJ thing, the second they moved him and said, hey, we're looking to go more 12 personnel. I was like, please don't draft Haskins. He will die there in 12 personnel. Um, <laughs> so that actually makes a whole lot of sense if you connect the dots. Um, but I think Devin White comes into play for the Giants because, like, remember the last time they had a real linebacker? I don't. <laughs> they Well, they never take him in the first round either. I mean... I, I think... They're all bad regardless of where they take them. Yeah. So, uh, oh, man. Yeah, that is a, that is an interesting position for them and has been for a really long time. So, curious to see how that, that goes. But, I mean, Devin White is such a good player. I mean, yeah. there's some boomer bust with him. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, he's not, he's not a slam dunk. But I think that, especially once you get past a lot of the, um, what you're drafting, you're, the, the what the big four, the big five in this draft when I mean you're past your Josh Allen's and your Quinn and Williams and Kyler Murray, I think goes way early on, Nick Bosa. And then I mean it, it gets a little murky in that you have a lot of really good players, but then it kind of turns into what what's BPA to you? Yeah. Oh yeah. So at that point I think that if Devin White checks a lot of boxes of BPA for you. And outside of the fact that his position is not typically something you see go in the the top 10 even the top 15 unless you're talking about like a like a luke keekley or, you know, or a Curry. Pa- yeah or oh god or uh <laughs> or a pat or a patrick willis you know because willis he went he go 11th to san francisco yeah I think he did yeah so, somewhere up there it was it was actually it felt low for him but again the nfl doesn't value inside linebackers at this point um and they have no. for a while yeah, I mean they're they're all into the, the guys who make it easy for those second level defenders, and that you know that you're talking about the interior defensive lineman more often than not. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of looking at these mocks, and honestly, obviously these aren't a great way to take the temperature of what's going on outside of you know someone's opinion, which may or may not matter. Uh, Cleveland Farrell. Kind of interesting to see that like he's up in some, down in others. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that's I think that's also post combine lack of sex appeal. Um, it also doesn't help that he couldn't do anything at the pro day, but I think he'll get a lot of facility visits. Um, so that won't really matter at the end of the day. Um, or teams will go out there to Clemson to see multiple guys at once. So. You know, I, I don't think that's a big deal. Um, I just think he's a guy that's just not as sexy as the other pass rushers. Um, he he doesn't have that super quick get off off the edge, um, but he's got kind of everything else. You know, he's he's played enough football that he's developed a good skill set. 
of pass rushing moves. He knows how to use his hands well. He knows how to use his length to extend guys, um, you know, dip and rip under him in pass rush situations. You know, he shows a good ability to to get his hands on guys and early downs on run plays, extend them, and then get off or at least keep them in the hole. Um, I think he's just a guy that does everything kind of well. Um, but the other guys are, are just sexier at the end of the day. Um, so I think there's a chance that you still see him go top 10 because it's the same conversation that we had with uh, Dalton Risner, where mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you're a good player, you do everything well, you have long-term experience playing your position in college, good off-the-field stuff, there are teams that will value that over high-ceiling sex appeal. Have you seen anything to suggest Kyler Murray doesn't go first overall? Because there are some people who are really trying hard to convince fans on Twitter that that, wasn't, that might not happen. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think he's, I think he's already gone. Well, I mean, I think the way he doesn't go first overall is if, if, if Kingsbury wants him, that doesn't necessarily matter. It, at the end of the day, it's where is Kime willing to, to stick his ass out there? You know what I'm saying? Um, and this is going to have to be a, P, a PG-13 plus podcast, I guess. I've been pretty good so far, but tonight's just happening. Um, <laughs> but, but, but so I, Market explicit. Yeah, yeah. Taking down notes already. He's like, ah, damn, that's a whole extra step I got to add to editing this one. Um, but so I think at the end of the day, it's it's – Again, how far Kimes willing to stick his butt out there to say, all right, I made this call last year. I also hired a coach last year that I fired in a year. Am I going to look like an idiot um, and some random drunk that just picks dudes <laughs> and then goes back on it because I changed, you know, my, my underwear felt different today. I wanted the, the silky ones instead of the, the, you know, fruit of the loom ones. At the end of the day, like, there's got to be some consideration in his mind of like, do I look like a giant idiot and how far am I willing to go? Because if he moves on from Rosen and they do take um, Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray doesn't pan out and God forbid Josh Rosen does wherever else he goes. Hoo-wee! Oh man. Like <laughs> it's like, that's some oh. bad news. And you know, is it going to take much for Kime and Cliff Kingsbury to hate each other? I say no. I think it's going to turn into a yeah. thing where it's like, Cliff, hiding my keys again. And then it just turns into a thing with those two. Like, I don't know. Those are two. Cliff, I think, has more of a personality than people realize. And Kime definitely has a personality and, and not the good kind. Oh, no. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting out there. Uh, it's wild to think that there are. Coaches, uh, I mean, I'll even throw Adam Gase out there. Like, I thought Adam Gase was was a pretty good X and O's kind of coach. I think he was young and didn't understand how to manage other men and other full-grown adults in a workplace setting. Um, But I think it's crazy to think that, like, look at how many shots um, Tannenbaum has gotten. I mean, look at the shots that GMs get. Like, GMs sometimes go through two, three coaches before – the owner finally says, all right, look, like, you've effed up enough. Maybe it's not the coaches. Maybe it's you. But it's, it's just crazy how much longer GMs live than coaches sometimes. I knew the Tannenbaum regime was doomed when that story came out talking about how he and Greer go, would go and, you know, scout 
do all this other stuff. And they just mentioned that uh, Mike Tannenbaum always really looked forward to his appetizers. Oh my god! And going to eat, going to eat, and everything. And I was like, ah, oh man. So, do you think there's any way the Dolphins trade for Josh Rosen? I mean, it's so tough because I because they don't really have a quarterback right now. Yeah, and I mean, there's exactly, <laughs> and I think that's why everything's on the table. But like, it's just so tough because last year when we had the conversation about quarterbacks, I thought Josh Rosen could be really in play because of Gase, and I thought Gase's personality, and I thought um, Josh Rosen's personality would have meshed really well. I think they would have gotten along really well. Gase would have had another one of his guys. Um, I don't know if it makes sense for Greer because I don't know if that's a Greer guy. You know what I'm saying? Like we have yet to establish who is a true Greer guy at the end of the day. Um, so I think the possibilities on the table, I, cause at this point, Luke Falk's your quarterback. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know if Josh Rosen's a guy that Greer's interested in. Interesting. Just because, I mean, with Chad O'Shea as the offensive coordinator now, and that guy just spent time in New England with one of the biggest jag bags in the universe and McDaniels. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, but I think an I OC has a lot less pull than your head coach, obviously. Um, you know, <laughs> Certainly. O'Shea definitely hangs out with Greer a little less. I think that um, the relationship he's got with Flores, though, I think that I imagine... Flores is going to lean on him a little bit, even though I know Flores has experience with offenses too. I mean, like he's, this isn't his first time to the rodeo. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to that kind of thing, I I think the bigger question is if the giants aren't all that into Haskins, if Kyler Murray goes one, I think it becomes the, the who's going to pull the trigger to bump up a a couple spots to take Haskins, you know, take him at six, take him at seven, take Mm -hmm. him at eight. Um, you know, I think he makes a lot of sense with Cincinnati. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense with Miami. Um, I don't think he makes a ton of sense in Denver, to be honest. Um, but I, I think I think Dwayne Haskins would be more in play um than than Rosen, to be honest. I, I think I think if the Dolphins are gonna pull the trigger on a quarterback, it's gonna be one that they draft and they can officially hang their hat on. So Daniel Jones is what you're saying. No, because so. I think the Dolphins don't want me to kill myself. <laughs> no. Um I think I think they're probably against that. I think if they came out and had a press release right now, they'd say they are are pro Zach Cintron not killing himself. Um so they won't draft Daniel Jones. But I will say that the whole Daniel Jones to the Giants at seventeen thing makes a whole heck of a lot of sense at this point. Right. Uh, so suppose you're the one making the the pick. And by the way, the, all, everything the Dolphins have done in the last 20 years suggests that they absolutely want that. I mean, they just have no regard for for their fans or their well-being at this no. point. They just don't care. Ho- hopefully we're past that, but I don't know. So if you're at 13, let's say Haskins is, Haskins is on the board. Are you taking him? And see, this this is the toughest part because cons- you got to consider from a, a fan's perspective that like you don't know obviously how the dolphins feel and i even even if i was the gm i just because a quarterback that has a good skill set is on the board it doesn't mean i'm taking him if he's not my guy you know what i'm saying um 
So he's not your guy because you are the GM. Yeah, I, so I mean, I mean in my, in my, he, there's, there are things that give you yeah, pause. No, at the end of the day, I like the skill set that he has, but I don't know if I'd be willing to hang my hat on Dwayne Haskins. Um, going back and watching him a couple of times, <laughs> I think he's a really good distributor. Um, he reminds me a lot of Matt Ryan. Um, and I think at the end of the day, those are the kind of guys that can get the job done. But they also are the guys that need a team around them. Um, with that said, um, there's a lot of conversation now that things are starting to point towards like, oh shit, the Dolphins are trying to tank, you know, going into the next draft to get a quarterback. And I don't think any of mm-hmm. those guys are necessarily sure shots either. Um, you know, I no. mean, I, I no one's a no, no, I mean, I've seen it put out there, and the question's been proposed: like, is Tua really as good as everybody says he is, or is it just like a hype train thing? Um, you know, I think Tua is a really good quarterback. I just think he's really hard to evaluate at a school like Alabama that has five star guys playing at every position. Like when you have a Judy, and like the backup to Judy is Judy two point and the fifth guy on the depth chart for a receiver is Judy 5.0. Like, they're all five-star awesome guys. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's hard to eval those kind of a quarterback like that where Tua does make some nice throws, but I don't think he has to put the team on his back as much as some other guys do. So when he needs to potentially at the next level, question is, can he do it? Um, you know, Jake Fromm even. I like Jake Fromm a lot. I think Jake Fromm has played well in games that he needs to play well against, you know, SEC competition. Um, But he's another guy that you see one or two real nice NFL throws a game. But I I think you even see that from Drew Locke at times, you know, and I like Drew Locke too. But do I think Drew Locke is a top three pick in this draft? Not at all. Um, You know, I've, I've said how I feel about Herbert before. You know, I, I don't I won't even probably have a first round grade unless he is night and day from 2017 to 2018. Um, and then we don't know who's coming out after that. You know, is Eason going to come out? Is uh, love from Utah State going to come out like so? You know, the NFL draft always has this thing in the media, especially around the NFL draft, always has this perpetual idea of next year's quarterback class is better. The grass is always greener on the other side. And that's not necessarily always true. I mean, remember the the Watson, right. um, Mahomes, all those guys draft? Oh, it's not a great draft class. You know, next year's better. Wait till next year. Well, a lot of those guys were pretty good. And, you know, it again, it takes one team to fall in love with any guy. So, again, it's it's so hard to broadcast if a team, especially the Dolphins, who are obviously quarterback needy at this point and have been quarterback needy, it's just hard to say they will or won't take somebody this year. And it's hard to say like, yeah, the grass is definitively greener on the 2020 side. Jake Fromm so good in the first half. Like he just kills it in the first half against Alabama every time he plays them. And yeah. then the second half, like they always, they make adjustments and it's a different story in the, in the second half. Um, I agree with everything you just said there. I think um, I was going to ask you how you felt about Drew Locke at 13. Cause I think one of them is going to be there. Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know who if I had to guess, I think it'll be Locke. I think I don't know. It depends. I think that I can see John Elway going after Drew Locke, but John Elway also just acquired Joe Flacco and has proven that he will 
bypass the quarterback position in the draft. So I don't know. That's a wild card. I think that Haskins going to Cincinnati makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I, I think, think he'd be great with Zach Taylor, to be honest. Like, uh, I don't necessarily think, again, with the conversation we just had, would I take Haskins? I don't know if Dwayne Haskins himself is a great, phenomenal, life-changing quarterback, but I think with the right person, again, every quarterback is a system quarterback, um, and I think Zach Taylor is a guy that could really maximize what you get out of um, Dwayne Haskins, especially behind newly paid Bobby Hart. <laughs> can y'all feel the sarcasm in that one? <laughs> oh, Bobby Hart. Oh, uh, the, and I love the comment you made about uh, Jerry Judy 5.0 because that's isn't funny how Alabama all the receivers uh, have the same build. They're yeah. all about six one. They're all six one. They all run a four four. Like I mean, they're all they're all pretty good when it comes to running the route tree. But it seems like since Amari Cooper hit the scene there, they have almost started a manufacturing line, an assembly line, if you will, when it comes to the receiver position. And they're all built like Amari Cooper. Yep. You look at Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley, built like Amari Cooper. Jerry Judy, built like Amari Cooper. So, and I mean, like, and those guys aren't, nece- like, when you think about, like, Julio Jones's game, I mean, Julio Jones can get vertical. Julio Jones can can body up. He can go and get the ball and whatnot. If you think about, I mean, not so much Amari. Amari... Amari can go up and get the football, but I mean, like he started the trend where, I mean, he's a slasher. Kelvin really is absolutely a slasher and Jerry Judy is too. So, I mean, like that's the thing. And I feel weird saying it because I used to make fun of Alabama for a lot of their skill position guys, but I mean, that's not the case anymore. I love the receivers. They, they churn out at this point. Like Kelvin Ridley is probably one of my favorite football players of the past 10 years and sound really sounds weird to say because he doesn't play for the Dolphins but I love Calvin Ridley I loved his game when he was at Alabama I would you know even when we had a very congested uh receiver core last year if the Dolphins had taken him mm-hmm. fine I mean like they took the right guy in my opinion they took the right Bama guy in Minka Fitzpatrick especially with what he's going to be able to bring going forward because I think he really fits a lot of the stuff that Brian Flores picked up in new england um i think mika fitzpatrick is a no-brainer in in that in that sense so but i love calvin ridley i mean, i think jerry judy won the bolitnikoff this year so um and those none of those guys are even draft eligible so i mean like you're not gonna see them till next year like it's crazy so. thinking back to calvin ridley last year that the ravens passed on him at 25 and took hayden hurst which I liked Hayden Hurst a lot, um, but like the fact that they like went all in on a tight end there, probably knowing that there's a chance that they were going to make a strong push for Lamar Jackson, like that's insane. And they they definitely have to be shoot, shooting themselves in the foot on that one. Yeah, well, I mean, just think about it with Baltimore's relationship with Bama players, you know. And the funny thing is, I mean, they they take a total stud tight end in Mark Andrews anyway. Oh, my boy loved Mark Andrews. Yeah. But but he played in a system boy. that threw him wide open, so he didn't do anything. No, no, he didn't do anything. He looked great at the end of the year, too. And really turned into a sort of safety valve for Lamar at points. That's what you so, want for a young I'm, quarterback. It, yeah, I'm curious to see how how um he comes along with them. Because I mean, like they doubled down on him essentially with that move. 
So, I mean, it, it's, it's his show. And I, th- I mean, I think that's cool. I mean, you, they didn't pull him out of that playoff game. I mean, and to be fair, he did get them back in it at the end. I think that LA kind of turned it off for the day, but I mean, like he made some big plays in it and at the end of that game to give them a chance. So, you know, they did right by him by keeping him in that game. They didn't, they didn't sub him out for Flacco or anything. So is there anything else? We miss anything? We almost did an hour tonight. Oh, we blew it. Um, no, I mean, I think we hit everything. Um, at least free agency wise, hit a little bit of the repercussions on the draft here. Um, like you said, we're gonna we're gonna try to knock out a, a mock next week. Um, but we're gonna tr- we're, yeah. we're trying to plan something fun for it. We may come back into our normal format uh, if my technology brain can't pull it all together here. You know, whatever. We're gonna just sit there and just act like complete jerks about it too um it's getting more interesting now because i think that a lot of these areas in terms of like the top five the top 10 the top 15 all are starting to get a defined set of players that make sense for each tier which is what i try to look for every year Mm -hmm. and i think that i mean this has been a difficult year because it's not a top heavy class with quarterbacks you know you don't usually usually you see all the quarterbacks kind of just you know it almost see like this mad push as they all get into the top five, the top 10. Think about last year. You know, the last one to go is what, Rosen at 10? Yeah. Nine, nine, 10. Um, so, I don't know. But this year, I mean, it's more spread out. I mean, Dwayne Haskins could be there at 13. Drew Locke could be there at 13. I think one of them will be. Locke and his emo haircut. Just like Jay, Jay Cutler's emo haircut. So, all right. It's Friday night and I'm exhausted. So uh, for Zach, my name is Keith. This has been our 20th episode of I Hate the Fins. We're under the uh, Finsider Radio, or I should say the Finsider Podcast Network. Now other shows on there. I think the Blowhole, I love saying that name. Uh, The Blowhole debuts on Friday. I think I'm going to put this out a little bit later in the week, especially because we had some big news come up for the Dolphins later in the week. Ryan Tannehill, we hardly knew you. Um... Sorry to see him go. Happy to see him get a new opportunity. We'll see how that goes. Uh, For Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. We'll do our mock draft. Take care.